Hello everyone and welcome to another episode right here on the Cathedral Sport Podcast. Tonight folks we have a real treat for you and a very, very special guest joining myself Ash this evening. Tonight's episode has been kindly sponsored by the Willowbray Bowling Club in Edinburgh. Right, well, I better introduce a great man, haven't I? It's none other than Southend and Colchester legend Roy McDonough, aka Red Card Roy. Roy, welcome to the show all the way from sunny Spain. How are you, mate? Oh, good, Ash, mate. Thanks. Just been a bit hot the last couple of days, 26 degrees. It's a bit much for November, mate. Oh, nice. Nice. It's about, I live in Scotland. It's about five degrees or something. No, it's actually been quite mild today, to be fair. So, uh, so that's it, Yes, much better today, but it's just cold, man. I, I, I'd rather be in Spain, put it that way. Um, we've got you on tonight, Roy, to talk about your, your life in football, um, your colourful life in football, and about to promote your book as well. First, so just give our listeners a bit of background about yourself, mate, um, for the ones that don't know who you are. What was, where, where did you grow up and what was like life growing up for you? Well, actually, I was a Birmingham boy, mate. There's a bit, still a hint of the accent. I spent 23 years in Essex with the South End, Colchester and the football world. But uh, listen, as a kid, three brothers, one twin brother, two sisters. Dad was a grafter. Mum was like the archangel of all archangels because to mother six children in that era, uh, mid-50s to the 70s, 80s, whatever. She was an angel. She was just different class. So it was all good, mate. Um, I suppose looking back my three brothers who've spent most of their life watching me play football around the country, they would have all changed and give their right arm to do what I was doing, become a footballer. But because I was the youngest, maybe, and only 10 minutes as a twin, but it was always a battle in the house to be the best at whatever you did, uh, which I think was instilled by my father because my dad was a good sportsman. So I had big brother Jim, big brother Keith, twin brother Gaz, but over the years, Ash, I won't lie to you, mate, every sport we played, I was the fucking best because that's what I wanted to be. You have to be as well. In such a big family as well, how competitive it can get. Um, my nan and granddad had, a, had quite a few kids, you know, and uh, my uncles were very competitive, put it that way, especially my uncle Steve. <laughs> Jesus yeah. fucking Christ. Um, <laughs> so so you excelled at football. Um, how, did you get, how did you get scouted? How did you get, how did you get spotted, Roy? Well, Ash, the irony, again, looking back, you get there's twists and turns in your life as a sportsman. Later on in my career where I made shocking decisions when I walked out on Birmingham City, three-year contract at 19 years of age, Chelsea Football Club, 21 years of age, four-year contract. The twists and turns are frightening, but I remember six lads from Linden High School where we were in the Birmingham district. We all went for a trial for Birmingham boys. And there was 150, 160 kids. My twin brother got a game before me. The four of the lads all got a game before me. But at the time, Ash, I was still the best player by country mile. I'm playing for the fifth year at school when I was only a third year. So under 13, under 14, playing under 16s because, Ash, I was obviously beaten. But I came on a sub in this trial match at Henry Road, which is in Yardley, not far from Birmingham Football, Birmingham City Football Ground. And I had about 15 minutes uh, to make a name for myself. And obviously, as clearly I did, because at the end of that Mickey Mouse trial, working back and looking back, out of 150 kids, 
they cut it down to about 20 to 30 kids for the second trial. And I was named as one of them. And from then on, Ash, I top scored for Birmingham District for three seasons. I top scored for Warwickshire County. Uh, every team I played for, I was the top goal scorer. So that lucky 15 minutes coming on as, as a trialist, mate, probably, well, it set me up for life in a way. Do you enter, is your first club Walsall, Roy, um, after after your, your schoolboy stuff and your youth team uh, career? Your first, you signed pro contract with Walsall as your first club, mate? No, Ash, believe it or not, I signed, to, and again, the twists and, and turns of, of a, a, a soccer career in our era, I signed a schoolboy form for Aston Villa when I was 14. So the minute I signed for Aston Villa, I couldn't go and represent or train with any other club in the Midlands. And after that, I was the top scorer at the time at 14 years of age. Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers, Coventry City, Derby County, uh, West Bromwich Albion. Uh, the whole of the Midlands wanted me to go and train with them to make, maybe make a name for myself for that football club. But when I signed for Aston Villa, uh, my dad actually he pulled a flanker on the chief scout. He said, Roy won't sign till he give his twin brother a trial. Which, fair enough, Dad, you, you compromised me a little bit, but my twin brother got a trial. And we both played schoolboy football for Aston Villa. And then, Ash, if you think about these names, mate, and I was 14, 15, uh, and I had a, a contract signed by Vic Crow, the manager of Aston Villa, Neville Briggs, the chief scout, God rest his soul, he's now dead, Frank Upton, the youth team coach, that the day I left school, I got a two-year professional apprenticeship uh, contract for Aston Villa Football Club. And this is how football has changed, clearly. What happened? Uh, the summer I was going to leave school, Ron Saunders got the job as the new manager. He saw me play 20 minutes. And he said I weren't good enough. There was eight of us at Bodymore Heath at the training ground. The first six went in, all came out crying. Everyone thought, well, that's, that's par for the course because you've, you, you've just had your football career absolutely decimated by the new manager. Everyone thought I was going to sign because I was the top lad of the whole of Warwickshire. And the other lad who signed, who everyone knew would get a contract, Gordon Cairns, who went on to play for England. He, he played in the Euro European Cup final for Villa, which they won. And I went to see Ron Saunders. He said, uh, blah, 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 blah. He seemed for 20 minutes on the training round. You're not up to standard, Roy. Now, Ash, in those days, you know, everyone cries. I want to punch the fucking bloke's lights out. I'm telling you, I thought you cheeky fucker. So I walked out. Ash, I walked out. No tears. They all thought oh, Roy signed. Then obviously Gordon Cowns walked in. He, they got his signature because what they'd done, Ash, they gave Gordon's mum and dad a house in Sutton Coalfield, which was the Aston Villa Youth Hostel, about an eight-bedroom house, just to make sure they got Gordon's signature. So again, Ash, the twists and turns of your career. So I left that Friday, got the bus home from Villa Park, Two buses. Dad said, yeah, bloody blah, blah. Yeah, Dad, I've been more or less booted out. So on the Monday, I went to Birmingham City, trained with Birmingham City and Ash, mate. It's incredible what happens these days. I trained on the Monday, uh, played on the Tuesday. We played Mansfield away in the combination. So I trained with the team I played with for one morning. We drew 2-2. I scored both. Then on the Saturday, we played Stoke City at uh, Dams and Lane training around Birmingham City. Uh, Stoke City, Paul Dyson, Garth Crooks. Uh, some names we wanted to play for England. We beat them 5-2. I scored two and made two. So in two games, I scored four goals, Ash. 
and put in a pretty decent performance with players I'd never played before in my life. So on the Monday, my dad said to Don Dorman, God rest his soul, he's now dead. He said, Don, what's happening about my boy? Is he going to sign or what? And listen to this, Ash. I hadn't gone down that week after training to St. Andrews because I had to get two buses home to get back to my mum and dad's house. I had no money, Ash. I'd got no money as a 16-year-old. So what the van did after training, it would drop me off. And people that know the area, the Wheat Chief pub, I could walk home from my mum and dad's house from the Wheat Chief pub. So cut the story short, the second week after scoring four goals in two games against decent decent opposition, um, I went down, had beans on toast with the apprentices, uh, cleaned a few football boots, signed on the Friday. So again, Ash, the irony, if I'd not said what I'd said and what I'd done and just kept going home and getting out of the van, guess what? I might not have even signed for Birmingham City. It's incredible, isn't it? It's, it's mental how uh, things and pieces in life just fall together, just like, the, you know, at the click of a finger. It's incredible. Um, well, Ash, what happened? I just go, go on. Yeah, go on. Yeah, go on, Ray. Go on. Say, here's a great football story, and this is a fact, from a good friend of mine, Ian Atkins, Jordan Henderson, captain of England, correct? Captain yeah. of Liverpool, correct? It yeah. is a true, true story from a very good friend of mine who was in the dressing room or in the office at the time. CEO, Sunderland Football Club, manager, Sunderland Football Club, chief scouts, my mate Ian Atkins, who was on recruitment, and another lad, five people, deciding on the next two, out of the two people to sign, apprentice form for Sunderland Football Club. Here's the story, Ash, fact. So he went to the manager, went to the first lad. So what do you think? The two lads, the other lad become a pro. I can't remember his name. But Jordan Henderson, what about the other boy? Yeah, decent. He said, but I think, to be honest, and I promise you, I'll take Jordan. And he said, so why is that? He said, have you seen his mother? She's different class. She's so much better than the other one's mum. Right? Fact. Go to the next lad. So what do you think, then? Would he take Jordan or... He thought, we should remember the other lad's name because he'd become a pro. He said, well, I've got to agree, mate. He said, Jordan's, they're both pretty similar. but have you seen Jordan's mum? She is different class. He said, if you see it, you'd have to take Jordan just on, on, on the strength of his mother. Jordan Henderson got an apprenticeship at Sunderland Football Club to start his career off because his mum was better looking than the other player's mother. <laughs> That's incredible. And look at him now. He's, he's, he's in the England team every, every starting lineup. That's unreal. <laughs> <laughs> captain mate captain and when you think but that's that's come straight from the horse's mouth because my mate Ian I grew up with who was at uh, Shrewsbury Town then went to Sunderland uh, Ipswich Town Everton I got Ian his first job as a football league manager at Colchester United we grew up together he said Roy you couldn't make it up mate you couldn't make it up unreal <laughs> fucking hell do you know what that's that's something else that uh, that is something else um well, so what, what happened at Birmingham then? Um, why did that love affair not not last, so to speak? Well, uh, again, after twists and turns, right? So I make my debut for the first team at Sunderland away. None of my family could be there. My brothers travelled the length and breadth of the country to watch me play for Southend, Colchester, Warsaw, whatever. When I made my debut in the first division, Roker Park, 34,000. Uh... Joe Gallagher was injured, the centre-back. So Kenny Burns dropped back from centre-forward. I played up front with Trevor, Trevor Francis, and Burns, he played centre-half. And you know what, Ash? Burn, I can't knock Birmingham. Jim Smith come along, give me a three-year contract. Uh, I scored in my second game at Queen's Park Rangers. 
the iron against David Webb, who I played under at South End in later years, Frank McClintock, an 18-year-old kid, Ash, I ran the legs off him, scored a great head of far post to make it 2-2. I think it was the last game of the season. So that summer, it's all over the local rag, the Sports Argus. Birmingham found a gem here. He's, he's got pace. I could run in them days, Ash. I didn't mind running when I was younger. Uh, I was <laughs> aggressive. I could head it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and the, the Sports Argus, which is the big uh, sports paper in the Midlands, said he could possibly be worth at least a quarter of a million. That was 76-77. And then that summer, Sir Alf was at the club uh, as a director and a chief exec, whatever, and he had contacts in Ipswich Town because that's where Sir Alf lived. And again, Ash, the twists and fucking turns, mate, you wouldn't get your breath. If I told you, I'll tell you as we go on, you couldn't make it up, mate. So Keith Birch in size of 135 grand. Birch was a lovely lad, mate, had a decent career. He couldn't trap his foot in the fucking door, Ash, I'm telling you. And there's me scoring hat-trick after hat-trick in the reserves. I think Birch went 14 games without a goal. I'm scoring hat-trick after hat-trick. And the irony again in my career, the, the, the chief, he was, uh, what was he? He was assistant manager to under Sir Alf at Birmingham. His name was Ken Oliver. He taught me from my first day at Birmingham City, he was an ex-striker, how to lead the line, how to protect the ball for your team and how to hold the ball up and, and do the right things. Ken left that with about, I don't know, I'd got a three-year contract with Smithy. He went to Warsaw under Alan Ashman to become his assistant manager. Within three weeks of him leaving, obviously he's pitched me to Alan at Warsaw. You want to sign Roy, blah, blah, blah. He's got potential, nice in his age. So I walked out on a three-year deal. And the irony of this is another one, which I found out later on in football. I signed for Warsaw. I could have gone to Doncaster Rovers, Bristol Rovers, Cardiff City or Warsaw. I thought, Warsaw's up the road. I, I can live at home. Still drive me car at the motor, mate. And looking back, and Smithy was great, mate. Probably one of the best managers I played under. Here's the thing that killed me. He said, to me, when I went back, he said, Warsaw, what about that? Word? What do you think? I spoke to Don Casarovas. I think Dave McCoy was the manager. Didn't interest me too far away from home. He said, so, Roy, what, what was the offer? And I told him in complete innocence. Smithy went, well, look. He said, look, chat to more. Come back and see me and I'll tell you what the best deal is. And if you want to leave, I won't stand in your way. So I was a, a naive 19-year-old thinking, fucking hell, I just want to play for Birmingham. It's where I was born and bred and I, I've proved myself here. What do I do? Then you're sitting in, a, in a, a, an office with Jim Smith, the manager, the, the chairman and the, the club secretary who or, or write the contracts off, blah, blah, blah. So what do you want to do, Roy? Smith, he said, I think it's a good deal for you, Warsaw. Do you know why, Ash? Because he, Go he copped a few quid, mate. The reason he let me go, he copped a few quid on the back of the deal. So potentially, and they are, and again, my second game at Warsaw, we beat uh, Peterborough United 4-1. I scored two, made two at the bar twice, me and Buckley. I got plaudits all across the Birmingham. What about McDonough should still be at Birmingham? And Smithy must have sat there thinking, fuck me, have I dropped a ricket here? But guess what? He copped a few quid. Yeah, it's best in in his best interest. He's put the money in his back pocket and walked away. Um, I've heard a lot. I mean, it's a lot harder to do these days, but um, I, I've heard I've heard a lot of stories about things like that going on in the past, especially up here in Scotland, where I live uh, in Scottish football, about little backhanders here and there for players. Um, so, right, um, I want to talk. I want to talk about South End, mate. I want I want to talk about South End. Um, two spells there. 
my, my nan was a diehard Southend fan. Um, God and her. yeah, God rest her soul, bless her. Um, but I'm I'm saddened to see what's happening, eh? But but firstly, what was it like signing for Southend, and how did that how did that deal come about? You know what, Ash? Probably the story of my life again. And people, I'm not woe is me. Life is life. Bloody blah, blah. I've been at Colchester. Uh, done two and a half years. Scored enough goals. I played right back for him. I played centre half. I played midfield. I think I proved to everybody at that young age. Bearing in mind, Ash, by then, I'd left Chelsea, drove down the A12. I could have gone to that summer, Jeff Hurst. I got four years at Chelsea on big money, Ash. Again, yeah. 21 years of age, walking across the training ground, Sir Jeff Hurst, fucking bellend of the highest order, Sir Jeff, bollocks. He said, uh, big fella, I've got a couple of clubs interested in you, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you can go and speak to him. I don't know what's around the corner for you. Here's another story for you. Colin Lee couldn't hit a barn door from three yards. Chelsea first team was struggling. Again, after two and a half years in the football league, Ash, I'm now back in the combination. I've signed from Warsaw back at Chelsea and good old Brian Eastick, who everyone around London Circle will know him, fully qualified coaching fucking clipboard Charlie, fucking bell, bell end of the highest <laughs> order. Right? He, he wasn't reporting on me in the reserves. So when I signed, Jeff, he came in the office. They were top of the combination, Chelsea. Uh, Brian, uh, B. Roy's out. He signed on Thursday from Warsaw. He's, he's playing for you on Saturday. And I see the geezer bristle. Big London boy. Big fucking London arsehole, to be fair. I see him bristle. I'm thinking, that don't look good. Cut the story short. I scored on my first game at Cardiff. Scored at trick the week after. Scored two the week after. And then I'm in the showers, Ash. After, try, after playing at, at Chelsea, the players couldn't afford to live in Knightsbridge or, or Kensington Road and all that. They'd get in the cars and drive home. Now, I'm living away from my family and friends in, in the Midlands, first time ever in my life, 20-odd years of age, thinking, what the fuck am I going to do today? Because I'm in the showers, in the dressing rooms, on my own, Ash. They've all gone home. Yeah. So uh, on this Monday, I've scored two on the Saturday, hit the bar twice, made two was man of the match, blah, blah, blah. All the reserve crowd is singing my name to get in the first team. And so on the Monday, I've driven, I've, after the game, I drove straight from Stamford Bridge to the Midlands, went on the lash with my um, brothers and my pals, driving back six o'clock Monday morning to go training. So anyway, afterwards, I mean, I've walked into the showers and I'm thinking, no fuck about it. Ask what we're going to do today, blah, blah, blah. Who walks in the showers? He weren't Sir Jeff at the time, it was Jeff Hurst and Bobby Gould, the Chuckle Brothers, mate. They were fucking Chuckle Brothers, a pair of them. So they said, all right, big fella, I'm thinking, this could be decent, because obviously I must have known how I got on Saturday and how the crowd was singing my name to me in the first team. So I said, all right, big fella, all right, all right, the weekend. I went, I said, yeah, decent game, to be fair. Yeah, did all right. So, well, how'd you go? So I said, haven't you heard? They went, no, no, we didn't know what happened. I said, well, I scored two, hit the bar twice, made two, was man of the match, blah, blah, blah. So now I'm thinking, in the showers, they stood there like a pair of fucking Chuckle Brothers, the Lemons, thinking clearly the geezer who's been told I'm playing the reserves in his team that were top of the league was not reporting on me. And when I left the club, Ash, and I walked out on Chelsea four-year deal, Ron Stewart, who was an ex-manager, who was the chief scout, he phoned me and he apologised to me. He said, Roy, I can't apologise enough. The geezer wasn't, he wasn't uh, reporting on you. Brian Eastick, the reserve manager, wasn't telling the Chuckle Brothers what I was doing in the reserves. So again, 
talk about a twist of fate, mate. Tough on you as a kid in your career. So going back to the original story, I went to Colchester. Uh, went on the lash. I went, that's it. I'm going to start drinking beer, chasing the girls around. And to be fair, that's what I did. I did a pretty good job of that. That's before I went to South End. <laughs> to say, um, just just touching back on that thing about Sir Jeff Hurst. I, I had John sitting on the show. Um, that was our second ever podcast. Yeah, great, great bloke is John. And um, he didn't have he didn't have good things to say about Jeff Hurst, even now, or Sir Jeff Hurst as he is now. But, and look, we all see Jeff Hurst on the telly as this shining beacon of English football, you know, the great Jeff Hurst. But behind closed doors, I've heard quite a few things now, Roy, and you're the second person to say that um, about him, you know. So well, maybe Ash, it's not... Let me tell you this, and it's straight from the horse's mouth. I've got no axe to grind particularly, but as a young 20, 21-year-old, where an agent now would sign up my Lamborghini, my detached house for the family, the Range Rover for the wife, all signed up by the agent, I'm dealing personally with the manager. And here's another quick one, Bobby Gould. I've scored umpty five goals in the stiff sash. I proved at 17 when my body was younger. I'm back in the combination. My body's had two and a half years in the football league. So I was a lot stronger. I got a man's body. It was a piece of fucking piss. And I'm scoring goals for fun. So I went to see Sir Jeff, the bell end. Couldn't see Sir <laughs> Jeff. I thought, fair play. I'll speak to Bobby Gould. Ash, word for word. I said, Bob, I said, look, I think I'm doing okay here. Uh, I didn't realise at the time I was not being reported on by the uh, reserve team manager. I said, I've scored X amount of goals. I said, but I'm getting frustrated. I said, yeah. I said, what will you do, Bob? I said, because I feel like I'm in a, I'm in a brick wall here. I need some, what advice can you give me? Just asking the assistant manager, as a 20, 21-year-old, what would you do? Ash, he looks out the fucking window, right? Stanford Bridge, big old Stanford Bridge. The track was like a fucking 800-mile fucking track, right, racetrack around the pitch. He said, you know what I do, big fella? To get rid of the frustration, I'd go out there, I'd do 16 laps, and then I'd do 16 half laps. So I looked at him and I thought, you fucking dickhead. I went, Bob, <laughs> walked out, fuck you. I went down the pub. <laughs> right. I'm, in my, I'm in the pub on my own, by the way. 21, you're full of beans, you, you're in, you've got energy, you're a natural. I was a natural sportsman, Ash, to be fair, I could have been a cricketer, worked for county, I was a good athlete, and these fucking dickheads, that's the advice I gave a 21-year-old, 20, 21-year-old, Desperate to go on, go to the next step again and play good level at Chelsea. And I'm thinking, is that the fucking best you've got? Seriously. Yeah, it's, it's unreal how uh, how much the game's changed since then, Roy. Now you're talking about the uh, talking about the boozer. Uh, now I had sits on right, and uh, when we when we were having our chat, he used to he used to come up against you. Uh, it, there's a story where you, you said to him one game or something. You said. How do you want it? How do you want it today, John? And stuff like that. When when you come and fit, he reckons in your prime you're on thirty five pints a week. <laughs> a week, more like fucking two days. <laughs> I'll tell you something for nothing, mate. But Sitz was decent. He'd come back at you. So whenever we played, what we're going to do, big fella? Steve Bruce was a bit the same. You put your head and get smacked about for an hour and a half, and a pint of beer afterwards. But Sitz would always go, you know what, Biggin, we'll be okay today. So we didn't have to get over-physical with each other. But Ash, this is a fact, and I said this to a club doctor. I averaged out when I was at playing for Southend. I played 41 games the season we went up, I think, if I remember right, if I get the whole thing right. When I didn't play the last game at Peterborough, when we won 2-1, Crowney got 2, we won promotion. 
but I played 40-odd games in the league. I'd got two suspensions. And I worked it out, Ash, because I lived in Colchester. Because I thought, I can't live in Because the girls, mate, were fucking, it was frightening, mate. It, I couldn't, I was like a kid in a candy shop. You go to Tots nightclub. In our day, Ash, you look at a girl across the bar with your mates and pint of bed. She'd look at you and sort of maybe smile. you go, fucking hell. So your mates go, well, you're going to go and chat to them, see if you can pull her. Over in South Bend, mate, they'd be over within two minutes. You're going to buy me a drink? Because you are going to take me home, aren't you? And I'm sitting there thinking, fuck me. I, I would kill myself. I'd just fucking fuck myself stupid. So I, thought, I lived in Colchester. So because I wasn't living in South End, Monday night was um, snooker night where we played in a good snooker league, got to the Super League in snooker, 10, 12 points. Because I could lie in Tuesday because we're playing Tuesday night at South End. So then after South End on Tuesday night, maybe 18, 20 points after the game and in Tots or Rain nightclub, Wednesday day off, all day drinking, another 18, 20 points. I worked out roughly, Ash, because we played Friday nights also. Can you imagine after that build-up that week, you're playing a Friday night, empty stomach at 10 o'clock, eight, nine pints in the bar afterwards, down to the pub in, in South End, into Tots, go home or go back to the Minerva on the seafront until six in the morning. Ash, I was in about 80, 90 pints of a week, comfortably. Jesus Christ, fucking hell. Joe, I think I, think I, drink, I drink about three times a week, right? I have about four pint cans of Stella. And I think, oh, God, am I, am I drinking too? I think I drink too much. Roy, that's, 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 that's incredible. And you, you, what, you're, 60, you're 62 now. I've got hope. Yeah. I've got, I've know, got some I, fucking hope. <laughs> listen, what you need to start drinking more, mate, seriously. But Ash, I worked, I said to the club doctor, I said, do you think that's a problem? But Ash, it was always beer. I remember again another, it's all the, the irony and twist in your life. 14 years of age, Aston Villa Football Club. Leeds United are top of the league. They're playing Wolves or something on the Wednesday. And I'm helping the apprentices at Villa Park after the game. Who's in the stand? Paul Reaney, Gary Spike, Jack Charlton, Paul Madeley, Johnny Giles, Billy Bremner, Mick Jones, Alan Clark. I mean, all. I'm 14 years of age thinking, fucking, they were the best team in the country. And after the game, under Billy Brenner's chair was a quarter bottle of scotch, empty. So obviously Billy sat there sipping away. He's done a quarter bottle of scotch during a game, an hour and a half, right? But then that weekend, I bought Billy Brenner's autobiography. And he, he states in his book, if you want to take your career serious, stay off the spirits, stick to the beer. And Ash, all my football career, yes, I could drink 20 pints, 22 pints, and blah blah I could do a pint still on me in eight seconds to earn lots of money for charity and tell any cunt that wants to drink me, out drink me. Mate, this, I'll tell you a story about a, a wedding with Andy King, my mate in London. Oh, you're a bit of a drinker, big fellow, yeah? I'd stand on me head, do a pint upside down in eight seconds. Go on, <laughs> mate. If you can't be that, fuck off. And no one could beat you, so they'd have to fuck off. <laughs> but Ash, it was always beer. Beer was the king because I'm still here now, 62, still play a bit of tennis. You know, so touch would not too bad. Ah, mate, so I've got, Billy I've got hope. thanks, Billy, for your advice. <laughs> I've got. I, I didn't realize. See, I, I thought John, I, even when John said about thirty-five parts, I thought Jesus fucking Christ! I didn't know eighty, ninety. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't be here anymore. I can't handle it, me. I can't handle it. No, no way. <laughs> well, that's not being funny. Looking back, the money I spent it was frightening, but I was earning half decent. I lived a single life for a lot of years or I'll live with a girl bits and bobs hey Ash it's not big it ain't fucking clever but at the time again I've said to people when I did the book and I've done a couple of uh, live shows on at theatres and that I lost my complete promise 
2021, Chelsea, my complete self-respect and self-esteem and belief in myself because of the football. Sir Jeff fucked me, to be fair. Bobby Gould fucked me. Uh, I lost my whole belief in myself. So that I remember, promise you, that nice Dolomite sprint, 20 years of age, 21 years of age, down the age well, thinking, fuck this. I'm on the booze now chasing girls. What I'll do, I'll get respect from people for being a, a big drinker and decent with the birds. So that, because I'd lost more of my self-respect, Ash, promise you. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's amazing, isn't it? What, just after one decision in life, how your life can change so much and, and, and a path you can go down because of that. Um, but you've got, you've got plenty of great stories to tell from it. Uh, with your book, we, we are going to touch on that later. Um, what was it like at, what was it like at South End, Roy? Um, what was the culture like at South End? What was your sort of relationship with the fans like? I know you've had uh, 22 red cards in your career as well. So we want to speak about that, mate. want to speak about the, uh, the red cards as well. Because uh, that's what yeah. your book, <laughs> it's in the title of your book, The Early Baths. But what was it like at South End? Like that, that's a... Uh, I'm really, I'm really interested in you know you being a South legend. You're in the same team as people like Justin Edinburgh and Dave Webb, as uh, Tilly as well. So what's like, what's it like to be around those lads? What's the culture like? You know, Ash, it's funny, and maybe again I look back and I do admit it wasn't people clever. I think Ash, even Dave Webb said to me uh, when I he let me go to Colchester on the free to work with Ian Atkins, and he did me a big favour. Uh, he went to Chelsea later on and, and managed other bits. He all said, well, you're great with the kids. You're great with players. You can't help but help them and, and, and do your bits on the pitch. You're a leader, all that old bollocks, blah, blah, blah. But Southend, I've got memories of the place because of, listen, Peter Morris when I first signed, but Ash, go back to this, mate. Listen, so the Colchester thing, two and a half years, contracts expired. The manager, Cyril Lee, another fucking twat. A little Welsh twat, bloody blood, but he said, Roy, they offered me a, a 60 pound a week less and a two year contract. So I looked at him, I said, You're taking the piss. Uh, and Ash, it's frightening. I paid every position for him, including goalkeeper, because I was a sub goalkeeper. I said, Taking the piss, walked out. That summer, Ash, 15 clubs contacted me that summer. South End, Dave Smith was one. Hundreds, mate. Bristol, Cardiff again, Doncaster, loads of clubs, Warsaw, whatever. And Ash, I'd just met a redhead girl. I was engaged to a girl in the Midlands when I was at Chelsea. Nice-looking girl, but that was going tits because I lived away in Colchester, university town, a few quid in my pocket, birds everywhere, living miles away, what are you going to do, right? But I met this redhead girl, and Ash, I promise you, mate, I'd never seen a, a ginger one before. You know, I, I, you know I've been, I'd had a few birds, and I'm thinking, fuck me, that blew my mind. I'd never seen a ginger head fucking pussy in my life. It blew my fucking mind, Ash. So between me and you, the contracts were being offered. I spent a week away with a few mates of mine to get away from all the people phoning me. And obviously the easiest place to go to was South End because I could live with this redhead bird. And so that's what I did. So my next career move wasn't the football side of it. It was the fact that this redhead, who I thought I'd fell out head over heels with, lovely girl, Wendy, nice looking girl, a dancer. So I was signed for South End because I could, I could live with her. And then, of course, later on, uh, Colin Arthur, South End number two, Pete Morris, manager, signed 15, 16 players in the summer. Absolute shambles. Billy Kellock, great player. Chris Turner, great player. Greg Shepherd. Stevie Phillips was there. 
uh, crikey, mate, we had some good players on the pitch. But it was a fucking shambles because after every game, eight, nine, ten of the players were in the town all night getting bladdered. And over a season, it starts to take its toll ash. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But then yeah. what happens is Colin Harper uh, tries a bit smart with my girl twice in the bar, players' bar. So I didn't particularly take to Colin very much. And then one Tuesday afternoon, I think we had a kick about after it was in the top car park above the main stand at the time where it was all open. And, it, and he made some sort of smart remarks. So I fucking knocked him out. So clearly my career at South End wouldn't last much longer. <laughs> you're there to, uh, you're there to in your second spell with 80, 85 to 90. Um, yeah. I want to talk about, talk about a bit of the club now because you still, uh, still do up talks and stuff like that. You're still, you're still around the club a bit. Roy, you know, with the fans, you have you have beers with the fans as well. I've seen pictures on online. Um, I've never seen you at a game myself, but one day, one day we're we're bumping to each other. Um, what 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 do you think of the club now? What, what the state of the club right now with Ron Martin, Ron the Con? Well, you know what, Ash, fucking Ron the Con. I don't even think that's a fair word for it. Listen, the Bobby Moore scenario. I told people, I just when I could go back to South End, I was at Cambridge, blah blah. blah. Uh, Buster Footman, who died this year, God rest his soul, the physio. He, he approached me in the players' bar after the last game of the season. He said, big fella, are you interested in coming back? I'm thinking, I said, boss, you're having a laugh. Bobby Moore wants to sign me. Bobby Moore, Sir Bobby Moore, paid money for me and respected me for the way I did things on the football pitch, blah, blah, blah. So I remember when I drove away from Roots all that day after signing over a two and a half, two and a quarter year contract, I'm thinking as I went down, I'm thinking, fuck me, I don't even know what I'm earning. But I was so much in awe of Bobby Moore at that time such a gentleman, such charisma. I'd signed a two and a half year contract. Didn't know what the fuck I was going to earn. But that was the draw. And that was when the new ground was going to be built then, Ash. It's still going to be built now. Jesus. Uh, the, prob- the problem I have, Bob was different class, mate. We had some good players again. The squad was good. Then Webby came along and we had, mate, we had some great camps at the club. You People you'll never, ever forget. I spoke to Paul Roberts today. I spoke to Robbo. He's a black cab driver in London. I spoke to Davey Martin 10 days ago. Um, the club was immense for me. The fans are incredible, home and away. Uh, it's a big, big club. I spoke to Ron last year before he took on Kevin Bond. And I spoke to him just the same day he gave Chrissy Powell the contract. Factual ash, or as close as it can get to. I said to Ron, I said, he said, um, I had a good chat with Ron for about half an hour. And he said, Roy, I, I can normally glean from a, a conversation this character of a person I've heard a lot about you he said you know I wish you'd have phoned me an hour ago but what I did say to Ron was Chrissy Powell would be too nice Chrissy Powell's a lovely bloke he's a lovely lovely man Bobby Moore was a lovely man you can't be nice in football because eventually you have to make certain decisions that are going to fuck you up for a week and half the team but to get the right result you fuck yourself up and the team for a week to get the right result and when he, Chrissy Powell got the sack I phoned Ron about two days after I said Ron I don't want to be a smart ass mate I said but what do you think he said no Roy he was right he was too nice so then I met I spoke to him two or three occasions before Kevin Bond I'm thinking that's another fucking bell end of the ice order let's go down to the nuts and bolts now let's get back to the missy gritty let's go back to good old fashioned basics if you work harder than the opposition you're stronger than the opposition over 90 minutes, you've got a good chance of winning the game of football and overpowering the opposition. Good old-fashioned basics. Stop the cross, stop the shot. Ain't going to concede goals. Work harder than your opponent. You're going to have a better game than him. It ain't rocket science, Ash. Unfortunately, 
He's had Sol Campbell. What a fucking absolute fucking bellend of don't the even, highest fucking order. Don't even get me started on Sol yeah. B. Campbell. I am I'm still fuming with the way he way he treated the club with utter content the whole time he was there. Um the guy just didn't the guy just gave a fuck about himself, Roy. That's that's it's well, just that- you know, Ash, when you're a person wealth of 50-odd million, and I don't think it's on the back of him, I think it's on the back of his missus and the company or the family company, he lives in a 20-odd million-plus gaff on the side of the River Thames. Think he gives a fuck about anybody but himself? You can see his fucking Instagram things and his, his Twitter things. What a fucking absolute prick. But, again, that's not his fault. Big Ron took Kevin Bond. I watched Kevin that weekend last year. I had a great day. On the Thursday, Ash, I went up to Warsaw. Flew back into Warsaw to do a dinner uh, about the book and bits and bobs on the Thursday night. On the Friday, South Ender playing Warsaw in the relegation battle at Bescott. The hotel I'm in is next door to the football ground. So I've come down to meet the lad I did the dinner with, and I'm in the, the host room and VP thing to launch the book and bits and bobs before the game. The hotel I'm in, Ash, all the South Ender away fans were drinking a bar. So I'm sat there for an hour or two thinking this is all right, and then one or two recognised me and then one or two started singing fucking Big Roy and all that old bollocks. Before you know it, Ash, we had a great time in the bar with them. Went to the game, met Sir Harry, blah blah Harry Redknapp, fucking the jungle boy. Allegedly as corrupt as they come, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> and then after the game, I've done the thing in the bars again with the Warsaw fans. I met Ron at half-time with David Crown. He got the big fucking... Uh, turban on his head because he'd had his ears done or something. It looked like a fucking ice cream. And uh, I thought, this is strange. And I'd had a good drink with the South End fans afterwards. Then, of course, on that weekend, I went down to South End with Bernie and did the Palace Theatre on the Monday night after the game against Burton. So, Ash, it was a fucking great weekend and it just, it summed up again the, the, the way the fans feel about the club, how big the club is and the following, the following at Warsaw. That Easter Good Friday was fucking phenomenal. But then you look at the little fella, the man in control. And I think he's in control, but I don't even think he's in control of himself because the place has become a fucking circus. Oh, I know. Um, it's, as I said, as I said to you on the phone the other day, Roy, look, um, Southend United means means a lot to me, personally. Yeah. Um, as a nan as well and stuff like that. It's the only physical thing that left that I've got of my nan to remember it by. And I thought a couple of weeks ago, I thought that club, that club's going to die. Um, yeah. That that would have killed me, mate. Inside, um, yeah. like, you know what I mean? It, it would have it would have, it would have destroyed me because that's uh, you know my, I used to watch him as a kid. I mean, Nan, uh, we we my nan lived in South London at the time. She's from South End, but lived in South London. So we couldn't get to games when I was little. But we used to watch him on the telly all the time. And uh, like my my heroes, like Ricky Otto and Brett Angel and people like that, Chrissy Powell, who you've mentioned before. Um, the goalie, Samson, you know, all the, all those players that I remembered as a kid and I thought to myself, this is all going to, this is, this could all, you know, go belly up. All those memories would just be washed away. And I, I do you know, thank God he's, he paid the tax bill. Thank God. Well, Ash, let me tell you this. It's all for someone else's gain and it's not for the, the players, the fans or the club. And where the modern day game has gone totally tits, the foreign players don't help with their mentality. The foreign managers don't help with their mentality. What's wrong with the good old-fashioned bulldog spirit? Yeah, it wins games. England over the years, roll your sleeves up, be physical, be a bit naughty with these foreign fuckers. I live in Spain, Ash. 
You see the fuckers walking around, mate. They look fucking women. They're better looking than the women. They preen themselves more than women. But the trouble now, in the Premier League and the top level now, every player's as bad as the fucking women. It's all about my tattoo. It's about my fucking eyebrows being braided. Delhi fucking Ali is one ugly fuck. Someone do him a favour, tell him, you're an ugly cunt, mate, so don't worry about having your hair cut three times a week because it ain't going to make you no fucking difference to you because you're one ugly fuck, right? <laughs> but he has his hair cut three times a week. Why bother, Delhi? Because you're a fucking ugly cunt, right? But the trouble is, it's all now about how they look. That's where the foreign mentality has crept in. You go back over the years, you know, the World Cups and... You look at the Italians and they look fucking magnificent, don't they? Then an English boat treads all over the fucker and elbows him in the mush. He goes down as though he's been fucking hit by a bulldozer. You don't see the fucking bloke again. That's where the English game played the right way, like the Paddies under Jack Charlton. They go to the World Cups and get in the quarterfinals and beat Spain. And I think, what the fuck's happened there? Good old-fashioned bulldog spirit, sleeves up, Roy Keane. you got your Roy Keane's of this world. Who can I say English now? The, the Stuart Pierce's, who was decent, mate. The, a bit of bit, a physical edge. A physical edge with a big heart will always beat a fucking Nancy boy. It's true. Always. And um, we've got them. Like, I live in Scotland now. So, you know, if you figure the Scotland national team, you think of your Soonesses and people like that as well. And you, <laughs> the old school players like that have played for Scotland and they're just like some hard <laughs> bastard draw him. <laughs> Fuck, I would have met with Soonest. No way. If I come Gosh, up again. Let me tell you. If I'd had a 50-50, I had about four or five Vinnie Jones and he shit himself because I went 100% committed through the ball. And I remember telling my players when I'm a player manager when I was in the conference, there's always slippery little fuckers because we were like the Man United of the conference. Everybody wants to beat Colchester United. And I'm not proud of this, but I did say I've never done it myself, never had to. If you're in any doubt with a 50-50, like the Vinnie Jones do, the shit houses, tackle the top quarter of the ball, Ash. Tackle the top quarter of the ball with a firm ankle. So your ankle's strong, your quads and your thighs all set, so you're not going to get it. Because what happens, you bounce off the top quarter of the ball, any follow-through, they bash against your boot. So if they're big and brave and go the whole way, that's eight stitches in your shin. It could be a chipped bone, whatever, but you've looked after yourself, right? In yeah. my day, it didn't matter who I played against, it had been Keno soonest. Because you get the respect of people tend to know who you're, you know who you're playing against, right? I'm going full-blooded here with Keno. I'm going to go every ounce of my 13 and a half stone because I know we do the same, but you go through Ash, the middle of the ball. That means no one comes off it and bounces off it and stitches people up. The whole body weight goes through the ball. The one with the strongest ankle and stronger thighs and the quads, whatever, wins the tackle. That's good honesty. Good old-fashioned, again, British bulldog. But, Ash, I watched Liverpool Man City last week. I'm looking at VAR, the modern game. I'm thinking, that's a red card. That's a red card. Liverpool Man City both should have had a red card each. The bloke's just nicked over the top of the ball. He's kept his ankle firm. He's just done the fella just above his ankle. Referees go, oh, I won't even book him for that because they don't fucking know, Ash, because they've never played. Two Redsmen. This, again, going is the modern game. VAR, but the people making the decisions, fucking hell, man. They're, they're just clueless. You have to have... An ex-pro, ask any ex-pro, there's that challenge there. See his elbow, his arm's gone up there. Could he have got away with that? When you've been there and done it, yes, you can jump with an arm up. You can keep your arm down. You can win a tackle and go through the ball and nick the ball. Listen, in, in, even in my day, actually, after 80 points of lager week, I was still good on my feet. I could avoid challenges. I could avoid tackles because you're good on your feet. These modern-day slippery foreign fuckers, they leave one hanging there. 
that's eight stitches across your ankle, mate, because they're cheating bastards. That's when I watch the Monday game, Ash, it's hard, mate, because the honesty and the heart for me is gone. Yeah. Um, no, I totally agree. There's, there's, some, there's some snide players about. Have you ever seen that, Ser- what that Sergio Ramos is like? He's fucking, he'll leave you in stitches, that guy. He, he, uh, Jabby is such you a know, snide bastard. It's unreal. The shit house of all shit houses. <laughs> but you know what, Ash? You ask any Premier League manager for a centre back that he can play, mate. He's got a bit of ability. He, he's topped me for red cards in Spain. He's got 24 or 25. But Ash is a manager. People, people don't like Roy Keane because he says it as it is and it's honest and it's true. People don't like the truth. People don't like the honesty because it, it, it what's the word? It, uh, what's the word? It doesn't, it compromises them. Keno, all day long. Sergio Ramos, all day long. Yeah. Because they're honest. They look after themselves in tackles and challenges, like I said, you, you can do. But if, if they're playing against a good, honest bloke that's going to be honest with him, they'll never hurt anybody. I'd have Ramos every day of the week, Ash, to be fair. People don't like him because he's good. Yeah, he is good. He's one of the, been one of the best defenders in the world for a, a long time. But uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a wind-up merchant. He is a character. Roy, what's a... What's the biggest bust-up you had? Um, okay, well, either the dressing room or on the pitch. Blimey. Uh, I did hear a story, Roy, uh, right? I did on, hear one about, on. about about an FA, a certain FA trophy final, again, um, you playing for Colchester, and you lot and the Colchester team pinning other players up in a tunnel before the game. Is that true? <laughs> uh, let me tell you this, mate. It's Wembley Stadium. I've never played there before. I'm 32 and a half years of age. I'm the player manager. Got Davey Martin, Paul Roberts at the back. I'm at the front, so the cameras are all on you, Ash. And, mate, you could never, if you've never experienced it, certainly as a player, when you walked out the tunnel, we had 30-odd thousand fans here, Colchester. That was all the tunnel end to the halfway line, both sides of the pitch. So when you walk out, all the cameras are on me, Ash. And I know that Whitney have been scousers, right? All thought they were tough guys. We drew 2-2 two, two at their place. We drew 3-3 three, three at our place. But Ash, even before kickoff, the team talk was, listen, we just do what we do. They can't outplay us. They can't outfight us. There's me, Robbo, Davey Martin. We had little Jason Cook who got sent off. They can't outfight us, can't outplay us, can't outscore us. We can't lose this game of football. But I'm walking out the front, Ash, with all the cameras on your sky. And, mate, when I come out the tunnel, all I wanted to do was cry. All the goosebumps on my arm. I've got 34 members of my family by the Royal Box, blah blah I can see them. But here's the thing, the Scousers, and I'll tell you two things happened. I've got it on the recording from Sky. Davey Martin and Paul Roberts, the two big cunts at the back, the two big fucking tough guys. One was an ex-boxer. Davey's got him by the throat against the wall. And Robbo's got his mate against the wall. See you no good, Scouse cunts, blah, blah, blah. Give it to him. Now, I didn't know, Ash, till I'm on the pitch, till after the game, what had gone on. So, listen, now we're never going to beat us. It could have been 6-1, but we're beating 3-1. But the, I've got the recording off Sky the whole game. And their manager, Pete O'Brien, gets interviewed early second half. And he actually states it, Ash. He states, well, the game plan was to get Donna fighting, getting sent off, right? Yeah. So, after about three or four minutes, centre-half punched me. I've got a picture of it. He's, he's turned around, punched me from the face. Some sort of looked at the referee, Kieran Barrett, the referee. What the fuck are you going to do about that? The referee's been punching me in the face, right? I've spun him uh, off a goal kick, spun him, and he's punching me in the face. I said, what the fuck are you going to do about that? And the referee shit himself. So I looked at the lad centre-half McNeely, just went, right, 
we're having it, right? We're having it. And his mate, Jim McNichol, or whatever his name was, or Jim, whatever his name was, he'd give it the big and I went, see you, I spat at him. I went, see you, you can fuck off, bloody blah. Ash, the game plan was to get me fighting, get me sent off. Ash, I did it every week, mate, because I like the physical side. No one ever really beat me up. So I'm now spitting them. I'm not proud of this now. I'm treading on them. The first goal, I tread all over the fullback's feet so they can't jump. Flick it on, near post, flick on Edo, we'll score. At half time, I said to those, run off the pitch. They're all fucked, the scouts. We're 2 0. Don't walk, make out. We ran. I said, we all ran off the pitch. I think about it. So it soaked it all up, Ash, and soaked it all the glory of the fans, blah, blah, blah. But the game plan was to get me fighting. Ash, I did that every fucking week. So the fucking Berlin manager, what a dickhead he was. But that's the fact. The lads had him against the wall, which I found out after the game. But when, where they got it wrong, Ash, the goalkeeper, they're all gavin about me verbally. I'm thinking, I do that every week. So I used to say, what, you amateur, no good, part-time? Come, you're going to get me at it. And I'd, I'd spit next to the feet as if I fucking do it. And Ash, it was hilarious because that was my game. And then Martin O'Neill goes on the commentary, the old Wicker manager at the time, because we've come runners up, won fuck all that, yeah, we won everything. He said, well, we want McDonough does, he's all arms and legs, he's all elbows. What he does, he gets the back, back four at it and puts them off. Well, that's the fucking game, isn't it? Yeah. It's, <laughs> if, you can, if, you can intimidate, if you can intimidate your opponent, as you won after battle. Ash, that- 100%. And Martin O'Neill said it on the live. I've got the whole recording, it's fucking hilarious. He called me a liar. On live TV, he called me an arrogant sounds. I'm smart, and I know you fucking Bellend. Bellend millionaire. I'm in Spain working. He's a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, <hey-ho. laughs> right. um, Was that the highlight of your career, Wembley? You know what, Ash? I remember the first goal at QPR in the first division at 18, but you're too young to really appreciate what had gone on. Then going through the battles at Chelsea then the, the drinking and the fighting and shagging the girls for four or five years. I go back to Colchester's player manager when Ian Atkins, my mate, left. And it was a great opportunity, Ash. And I remember, it's cutting it funny how things transpired. All around Colchester town, fuck me. McDonough, the manager, they'll all be pissed. They'll all be fighting in the past. They won't be fit to play. And you know what? <laughs> I promise, I walked in the bar, in it, just twist again. So after the game, we've done the double, the League and Cup double. Broke every record. I've got the trophy under my arm to walk into the players' bar at Wembley Stadium, the Jeff Hurst crossbar bar, whatever you call it. Well, Ash, because I've been interviewed and all that, <laughs> I've walked in, but it's empty. Everyone fucked up. And all I wanted to do was walk in, and all them doubters said, McDonald's is a fucking, is, this is a drink. Is a, by the way, this is the double winning trophy. But I had my night about a week later when I had the civic reception around town. But I wanted to walk in going, by the way, so you luck there yet is the double winning trophy. Get to fuck. But of course, yeah. no one in the fucking bar. They're all gone out. They're all gone. <laughs> Brilliant. Roy, um, your book, Sex, Booze and Early Baths, um, the, title, the title explains that. I know you've told us a few stories in this, in this podcast already. Where can, where, can people, where can people buy that? Um, obviously, there's going to be, our listeners are going to want to hear, hear more. Um, obviously, you're not going to, tell so much because you want to sell a few books but um where can where, where can we find that where can they buy it? how much is it and um what can what what can people expect mate i'll take two two things quickly right you go on amazon it's a tenner they bought paperback out about 18 months ago and the lad who works for 
It's the Independent or the Express. I can't remember the other top paper. Bernie Friend told me. He wants to speak to you, Roy. He did an article, two pages. What's the top paper, Ash, in, in England? The most respected newspaper? Uh, well, I wouldn't say it's respected. Um, certainly, certainly not by a certain part of uh, Merseyside anyway. But I would say the Sun newspaper is the biggest or most popular. Okay. What about, it's not the Daily Mail. Is it the Express? Is it one other? What's the other big one? Not is the Independent. In the Times? I you know what, if I could, all, all I remember is this, the lad did a double page spread on me and my book and the, the honesty of me and my career and, and the book. It went on, they bought paperback out, it went to it went to best, it went to number three in Amazon. About two and a half million books again uh, went to number three after this article in the paper. And all it was, Ash, uh, the paperback came out for a tenner. Uh, a quick, a great plug, John Motson launched it at South End Roots All with me. From the opening night for the book, uh, 500 people in, in the bar, whatever it was. John did an hour on stage with me for nothing. He's normally a grander pop. Crowley compared it, and John said at the end two things. The lad who wrote this, Bernie friend, genius, and he said, if any of you leave this building without the book, biggest mistake of your life. It's the best book I've ever read. And he never endorsed his books, Ash, but the, the publisher sent him the book. Within two days of having the book, he'd read it all, he said one of the best books I've ever read. I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy it on Kindle. Uh, is it on Kindle? Was it? Kindle. On, yeah, because yeah, I like me. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a, bit of an environmentalist, Roy. I, I like, I like to uh, keep okay. things as. <laughs> so I'm gonna buy it on Kindle, mate. I, I did promise you for, for being yeah. uh, grateful to you for coming on. I said I'll buy it, so I will, I will buy it. A version of it, whether it's Kindle or PayPal, I'll probably buy it on Kindle. So I will get it. I can't. I honestly cannot wait to read it. There's well, a lot of things that we couldn't touch on in the podcast because of time. But yeah. honestly, I can't. I can't well, wait. Really just to just, just yeah. a final pitch for the book. I promise you. My brother said it's like sitting in the pub with you, Roy. Like just listening to you tell a story. Bernie did it brilliantly. He's got the same sense of humour as me. We did forty-four hours by the swim pool when I was working in the Algarve. But Ash is the killer. So it is the career. It's about my mom, my dad. It's all about. But well, I'll tell you this: I know what's coming, and it still makes me laugh. And I know what the fuck's coming. So if you work that out, one thing it will do: you'll laugh. I've got a good mate of mine who was at Bristol Rovers as the kit man for about eight years. He lives in Spain now, and his girlfriend's lovely girl. She said, "Roy, I just walked. I could see shoulders just jumping up and down because he laughed all the way through." One thing it will do, Ash. Don't take myself serious. Why the fuck would I? It makes you laugh. Everyone listening into this, um, when this is published, look, you've, you've heard the man on here tonight. Buy his book, Sex, Booze and Early Baths. Roy McDonough's story, written by Bernie Friend. It is on Amazon, paperback or Kindle. Get on it, guys. You've, you've got to get on it. You want to hear more stories? It's in the book. Roy. Thank you so much for giving me your time, mate. You don't know how much I appreciate it, especially being a South End legend as well. I've, I've loved every single second of it. And you've been an absolute gent in the build-up to this, um, in contact with me all the time as well. Um, you've, been, you've, you've been great, honestly. Thank you so much. Absolute pleasure, my friends. It's been a pleasure talking to you because your energy, I like your energy and enthusiasm for football, the club and your, and your grandma. So, fair play to you, son. Thanks, Roy. Thanks very much, mate. Guys, we are... Back this week, we've got Charles Hoy, Derby County fan. He's coming on as a fan guest. We're interviewing the Croydon manager, Liam Giles, next week. 
And we've also got the Surrey international team coming on next week. Surrey with an international team. Yeah, you've heard it right. They've also got an international team, just as Yorkshire has. Yeah, you've heard it right. Um, we're on all platforms. We're on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Guys, uh, if you want to donate to our content, we're on PayPal, paypal.me forward slash Cathedral Sport. You don't have to donate anything. It's just, you know, you get the podcast free no matter what. It's just it's just a donation if, if you can be asked, really. Um, we're also on Twitter at Cathedral underscore Sport. Again, Roy, have a fantastic week and thank you very much for coming on. Pleasure, my friend. Absolute pleasure.